Episode 63, The Cursed Preemption. In the wake of an apocal cultural shift, the owners of the Star Wars property were flush with power. No medium seemed too daunting, no audience out of reach. Admiral Lucas, against the wishes of his advisors, teamed with the House of CBS to create what they thought would be an unstoppable populist juggernaut to be transmitted all over the world through the still new personal audio-visual entertainment consoles. However, Barus Valanche, a mercenary brought in to help create this new breed of cash grab, became wary, even as Harvey Corman, Diane Carroll, and the members of Jefferson Starship pledged their allegiance. Meanwhile, a young Jason saw in this innovation a path forward toward creating his own empire, while an even younger Chris, still unable to form full thoughts, felt an inchoate disappointment at the Incredible Hulk being bumped that week before becoming entranced by his first cultural train wreck. Oh. Is that okay? I was I was like the like the Star Wars crawl itself. I was ready for that to keep going for a long, long time. You're waiting for the spaceship to fly by. I loved it. That was great. Yes, we're here today on our holiday episode. We're joined by resident Star Wars super fan Dan Hartley. Jesus, who is also a writer, a producer, a actor, and a lover. A, a lover. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dan. My name is Dan Hartley. I'm from Santa Monica, California. Welcome to the full cast and crew cantina. <laughs> okay. Where Chris and I will entertain you. And Greedo shot first. Do you think I had a choice? So we had Dan here because Dan is one of those Star Wars super fans where like a new Star Wars thing will come out. And then Dan will be the guy who's like, oh, wait a minute. No, that movie violated the canon in the following 16 ways. I've had this experience with you where I came in, I think after Rogue One. It was Rogue One, which I loved Rogue One. That's the one I thought was populated with really good actors. That yeah. was the one that was like a separate story. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that. Well, right? Yeah, it was a star it was in the Star Wars universe, it, but it yeah. was it was In it fact, was, it was quote it was unquote, not a, part a of, Star Wars story. Yeah, it wasn't yes, exactly. That's what they're doing with all the new movies that aren't yes. that aren't the trilogy or the prequel trilogy. What do you guys or call it? This trilogy. The canon. What's the how do how do we refer to this? This is one of those we have to get the terms done. How do we refer? In the early two thousands, because all of the books and the comics it was getting so unwieldy that George Lucas started this thing, and I believe it was called Do you know what I'm talking about, Chris? It was the the like Halcreon or, or or something like Horcrux? that. Horcrux? No, what's that? <laughs> Close. That's a different. That's a different Nine G. It was he. He basically organized everything into what was canon, and what was not. Okay. Then, when did he do this? In like the early two thousands. Okay. And that existed. So, sorry, it was only until then that he thought it had gotten unwieldy. Well, because <laughs> it took. I guess. It, I guess it took twenty years. Lucasfilms did this thing to sort of canonize everything. Was it a document? It was like an extensive list, basically. Okay. That was all the things that he thought belonged in the world and all the things that were non-canon. And that is the sound of the last female listener to the podcast <laughs> departing the episodes right now. No, I well, wanted to find the this. holocron, by the way. That was, oh, the, that was that's awesome. a good name. The holocron, holocron is divided into five levels in order of presence. The G canon, oh the T God. canon, the C canon, <laughs> the S canon, and the N canon. I love this. Oh, was N canon What's the N canon? Where do the like is non-canon? <laughs> where do like the novels come in? Uh, well, it depends on which novel. So there is so okay. Wow. So and this is actually going to be a great segue into the holiday special. So <laughs> G canon is George Lucas canon. That's the absolute canon that includes episodes one through six, okay, five through nine, yeah, and then the T canon is television canon that refers to the canon level comprising only two television shows: The Clone oh, Wars and, and Star Wars Rebels. Okay. The C canon is continuity canon, consisting of materials of the expanded universe, including books, comics, 
and games bearing the label of Star Wars. All right, well, let's watch a little of the S Canon Star Wars Holiday Special 1978, which I started laughing one minute, 17 seconds in. We have a little bit of a crawl here. And Wait, then we're before gonna... you start, can I just yes. say that the text is wrong, is wrong, I as know. is the title. The font is wrong. Whatever this is, whatever the Star Wars text is, this yes. is like Helvetica New. Yes, I know. Or whatever. But you're not worried that it's not slanted and going away from us in the historical fashion. No, that, that's how it always starts, is, is not oh. slanted. The first time that I laughed was the never-ending introductions of who's going to be on this thing. Uh, this is a little bit of that right here. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars, Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, The Jefferson Starship, Corman and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Then, unfortunately, you have 11 minutes of Wookiee talk. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, wow, this is going to be crazy. And then you're like, well, yes, it is crazy, but not in the way not you the thought way, it was going to be. Not in the way you hoped for. Yeah, like structural oddities as we go through the holiday special. I love the I love the decor and the design of Chewbacca's home, the treehouse. Is well, that, that was, canon? That was well, that was done by the guy who designed Vader and C3PO, and he did all those sketches. And right. you know, they actually built a 360 degree, like they built which was a thing. nightmare to Which was a nightmare to film. Yeah. Like the Wookiee home? Yeah. yeah like I don't they, know if they, they built couldn't... it in a tree, but they definitely built like a whole I'm pretty sure no, they, they did it in a, they did it in a sky space tree. I don't know if their trees that high in and around Los Angeles. But no, but they built a whole like the apartments are like, great, like here's the thing, here's the realism. The people with the cameras are like, well, where are we supposed to put the cameras if we're gonna have a multi-camera? Let alone shoot? the crew. Yeah, yeah. I, I, right. It was a multi-camera shoot, which was the problem. Right. And you could barely fit one. And that's why the first director, I think, quit midway through. <laughs> Apparently, Wookiees <laughs> like a bunch of reasons he quit. Mid-century modern Danish wooden design in their living They're space. They're not wrong. I thought it, it was, was a beautiful house. house. <laughs> I loved it. Could, wait, can <laughs> I just can I just can I set the table for a minute? Because yes. I think it's important to understand the context of, the, of oh, this. Okay. From an introductory standpoint, Star Wars had come out in 1977, year and a half before. It's a huge hit. That thing ran for 18 months in the theaters. Unprecedented, broke all the box office records, yada, yada, yada. Nobody thought it would do anything. They made appearances on like Bob Hope. They made appearance, and they were doing like schmackty, shticky stuff, kind of like this. Hugely successful. They did the Richard Pryor show. Everybody's super excited. And then CBS approaches Star Wars. They say, we want to do a holiday special. This was supposed to be a pilot. This was supposed to go on for every single year thereafter, mm -hmm. right? Empire wasn't out yet. They were in the middle of pre-production. Right, this is sort of like halfway between keep Star Wars fans. and Empire, right? Like, right, to keep, keep the toys moving. Keep the toys well, moving, wet and, the appetite. And add more toys, right? They wanted to do the Chewbacca family. They wanted sure. to do both. Who right? wouldn't want an itchy? <laughs> Behold the ravages of age. Behold the old, the old masturbating clumped fur itchy doll. And it was exciting. Like sure. people were people were just, and like and it had had a proven track record with all these like late night appearances. Camel shows up and he's sure. like, "I hope you brought the force with you, kid." And he's like, "Yeah, sure, the police force." And it's like these groaners, but people are losing their minds. Sure, over this we couldn't stuff. get enough. Yeah. So 
one of the funny organizing principle mistakes is that, okay, like Harvey Corman, B. Arthur, Starship, like, okay, They're like the it's best. 1978, man. We're still all pretty hungover. Best. Like, it's cool. We can go there. I really think that some of the structural problems, I mean, this is a very famously derided holiday special. There's all sorts of possibly apocryphal stories on the internet of like, George Lucas tried to buy up all the available copies right. and he doesn't want to talk about it. And Mark Hamill won't answer questions about it. And I think, da, that's, da, da, da. Tr- I think that's all true. I'm sure that's probably all to some degree or another true, but it's probably about as true as the idea that Sly Stallone sold his dog just before he made Rocky. Well, it's also been a lot of time. I'm sure like at the time, Mark Hamill's like, yeah, I don't want to freaking talk about this. Yeah. But by now he's cooled down and he's mellowed yeah. and stuff. Well, you know, that's very different. And so too with, with George Lucas. Well, he actually wrote a kind of interesting treatment for it. I mean, this structure, obviously, I think it works. Like, you mean this before is, Bruce Valanche got his hands on it? Yeah. This is pretty it much... Was, it was about, it was an adventure story about Lumpy getting home. Right. Well, wasn't the whole thing Life supposed Day. to be a Wookiee story? Yeah. yeah. He wanted a, he wanted, didn't he want like the next movie to be a Wookiee movie? Well, he wanted uh, Kashyyyk to be in Empire and 20th That's Century. That's the planet where the Wookiees live. Correct. Sorry, I take I'm that as a foreground No, no, you originally called for Translate for the norms. And so, uh, and so, but, but 20th Century Fox said bye-bye to that idea. He wanted the jungle planet of Kashyyyk or the forest planet of Kashyyyk, whatever. And they wouldn't give it to him. So he was like, all right, fuck you guys. He has these ideas and he's like a dog with a bone. Sure. He, he wants to use them or in some a way. Wookie with a Bantu rump. <laughs> That's a reference to the I didn't want to like that joke, but right? I did like the joke and I'm mad about it. So however we end up here, you start with just from like a continuity perspective and an audience engagement perspective, the bizarre choice of basically listening to this for seven to 11 minutes. Like, honestly, there are no subtitles. It's all sort of, you're supposed to get the story from the physical actions of the Wookiees. It's annoying to listen to Wookiees. I'm sorry. Is it, is it it 11 minutes? It's a long freaking time. Yeah. This is one of the longest one hour, 37 minutes things I've ever watched in my life. It took me four days to get through this I thing. thought you were going to say, this was the longest one hour special ever made. I could not at sit one hour this. 37 minutes. Did you digest this in one fell swoop? Yeah, I mean, I, I was reading. It took me, I, I literally had to do it over four days. You know, it's funny how a lot of things, like, especially when they have a bad reputation, will gain a certain ironic distance and people sort of enjoy and it's so good, it's so bad sort of. Right. None of that with this. Like, this <laughs> is this is really, like, it is a slog and it is. And, you know, I was reading an interview with um, one of the one of the directors. I think it was Bender or Binder. Uh, Steve Binder. Binder. He, was the sec- yeah. he was the second director. And he was like, look, man, like, Everybody worked really hard on it. We tried, and we—I didn't think it was going to be garbage. Like I walked out of it thinking, like, "All right, sure. I did it." And then you know, it looks back and he, you know, it didn't quite work. But uh, but there's no like fun to be had to, to like kick it in the ribs. Actually, though, I'm going to say I'm going to defend one part of it. I think that the Han Chewy scenes, to me, that was a breath. I was always relieved when we cut back to that because. You have two reliably good characters doing their thing. You're sure. getting what you want. Like the Mark Hamill scenes, you're not really getting what you want because his face is so strangely made up because this is right after his exactly. famous car accident. Carrie Fisher's thing at the end is just like this song that she demanded to do. We'll play a little of that. But like I actually enjoyed the banter and I you're just in good hands when you have Han Solo. All right. All right, the coordinates weren't the best. Out of the frying pan into the fire, huh, pal? 
How should I know we'd come out of hyperspace in the middle of an Imperial convoy? At least against these fighters, we've got more of a chance. However slim. <laughs> Say that again. You didn't like that part either? I mean, again, he looked uncomfortable. The lines were pretty crappy. I, I will say <laughs> the story is pretty much the same as planes, trains, and automobiles. Trying but, to get home. But from Lila Robbins's character's point of view. <laughs> and then without words and without the actual uh, That's a pretty good segue, Chris. <laughs> Did you write that down? Yeah, I've, I been, like trying, that. I've been trying to shoehorn Keep that going. I want to see how far minutes. I want to see how far it went. <laughs> oh, no. They, <laughs> Keep going with that. Spit it out. Try, trying to get back. You know, obviously, um, the John Candy character is Chewbacca, who, P.S., the biggest shock about this whole thing was finding out that he is not a bachelor. Me too. I uh, was surprised. That he Did had a that? family, that he had a kid. Is that covered in the first three movies at all? Or the first movie? No, of course not. No. Yeah. Like, yeah, because suddenly all they're like gallivanting and going out and being smugglers. Like, now I'm worried he's going to get hurt and he's got a kid to support. Not only that, but how about that he lives in a 1970s sitcom construct? <laughs> My well, dad's moving in with us. How about this? Did you know that originally... Han Solo was going to be married to a Wookiee. Whoa. In the wow. original treatment. And hubba, then hubba. after a couple of revisions, that went bye bye. But that was the original. I like it, man. Like I said, it's an inclusive universe. I want to see that. I want to see Ben Solo. Chris, the thing that you read where the director said that everyone tried really hard, I, you know. <laughs> When you when you resolve to itchy, lumpy, and scratchy or whatever it is, no, no, you guys didn't try that hard. Don't <laughs> sell me on that. And it's a joke. Chris. Damn. What me? What did I do? <laughs> wow, you just took the fall from my... <laughs> so, yeah, we have the whole Wookiee setup thing, which is like, Chewie's trying to get home, he's with Han, the Imperial Guard is around. So the first time I woke up was when Art Carney appears. Art Carney is sort of like a, a space trader who is based on the trader in the Western who trades with the Native Americans. Right, exactly. Well, it, was like, it was like the original Lando. This was like a Lando character. Mm -hmm. And isn't there another... Um, I thought there was another tradesman character that he that exists now that he was sort of like an early precursor to. In what? I can't remember. In, you know, T-Cannon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a little Art Carney. I don't, how the hell did Art Carney end up well, here? I don't know. I can't find any information about that. I don't, it's just, here he is with a Imperial Guard in his trading post. I just thought I'd show you some of the stupid stuff those Wookiees purchased from me. Oh, there. There's a hot little item that seems to be moving pretty rapidly these days. Excuse me. Got a wall screen custom. Good to see you again. Don't say a word, madam. I know just why you're calling. You're wondering when that shaggy carpet you ordered will arrive at your home. Let me assure you, madam, it's on its way. You know, it was made especially for you by a little old woman four planets away. She did it all by herself. In fact, you might say she did it by hand, solo. <laughs> so it's going to take some time to get to you. I know you understand. <laughs> understand, don't you? <laughs> Terrific. By the way, uh, I'll be by later to drop off that extra photon energy pack. <laughs> You're welcome. My favorite thing, too, is that there's a, a Death Star operator in this scene because they had the costume, so they... Yeah. But, but th those guys operate the Death Star. Uh, this is right. This is also like pre-fandom. So it was somebody like, here, put this yeah. on. This is from the movie. Yeah. There was nobody there to be like, uh, sir, that's the wrong type of uniform. I love those people that exist hey, now. Hey, wait for your carpet. He's coming. <laughs> well, um, you know, there were a lot of people involved in this. Uh, and I guess no, it was really? <laughs> Akumba. This really seems the, like uh, it comes from a auteur vision that's 
<laughs> this is yeah. This Who's is what you get when you do it uh, by committee. Who's well, the first director was a guy named He's what it was like David Acumba. Was, was friends first... with George Lucas? I think no. He was a uh, Canadian director and mostly did like song and dance stuff. And he did the first B. Arthur scene. He had made all of these documentaries about music and musicians, and he was a little bit more counterculture, a little bit rock and roll. He's who was like, and we'll have Jefferson Starship and all that yeah, man. And he was it like he was saying he's like I didn't give a fuck about Art Carney and B Arthur but that was like the old variety show people who were yeah. working on this. so there was like this rock and roll documentary director and these old time variety vaudevillian types putting yeah. the thing together which is part of the reason why you get that odd mishmash and I will say for Art Carney and B Arthur and I don't know Harvey Corman's a little bit harder to gauge the performances are they, good the performances are good like they are not well no, well well they're not sleepwalking yeah, through it like well, Harrison Ford is the they're fine. Wait, wait, hold on the material isn't good they are pros and they are doing their job within the yeah. construct of okay. the special I buy that yeah especially B. Arthur and especially uh, Art Carney like, I, I, Harvey Corman no I don't know what he's doing it's like Harvey Corman's funny I mean, if that's he, why if that's, it's hard to gauge. Like sometimes not in this. Yeah, this is <laughs> so really not somehow good. He that occurred. Make, he did make me laugh once. When? But uh, when he stuck the thing into his chin, that made me laugh. Well, anyway, I mean, I, you, <laughs> see them, you see them it was working. The first time I laughed in an hour and a half. Chris, you're right. It's kind of akin to Greece and some of the other things we talked about where you kind of exactly. have like the Trollto, but you also have these stars from the 30s, 40s, and 50s that are around. It's for everybody. And again, right, which which looks strange now, but if it is a holiday special, if it is meant to be for the family, like I think there is meant to be a little bit for you, a little bit for your old man, yeah. for the, the gramps. I think it, it, this and is- pornography. Hearing you talk, Hearing you talk about that is truly- it, it really makes me realize, like, the idea that too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like everybody tried to add their own little thing to this soup, and it just tastes so shitty. Yeah. Actually, the beginning reminded me of the famed internet viral video, Too Many Cooks, because the opening music just goes <laughs> on and on and on. It's looped about three, four, or five times. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. So, Chris, you mentioned virtual reality Wookiee porn. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. Now, let's not sleep on how oddly prescient many of the technological innovations in this 1978 holiday special are. You have creation of virtual reality porn, which is, you know, that's a thing. Sure. Apparently. Later on in the show, you have uh, Harvey Corman invents Max Headroom. But this, this is the strangest sequence in the entire freaking thing because- it's for children, primarily. Are oh, you talking about the virtual reality? Yes. Thing? Yeah. So Art Carney gifts the Wookiees various things, and then Itchy, the dirty old man father of Chewbacca, uh, is set up in a sort of matte black hairdryer, and Art Carney puts in a little chip and basically gives him a Wookiee orgasm. I know you're searching for me. Searching, searching. I am here. My voice is for you alone. 
I am found in your eyes only. I exist for you. I am in your mind as you create me. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. <laughs> I'm getting your message. Are you getting mine? Oh, oh. We are excited, aren't we? Well, just relax. Just relax. Yeah. We can have a good time, can't we? Oh. Mm. I'll tell you a secret. First intention for the first director, this was supposed to be where Jefferson Starship showed up. And this was going to be a- Overlapping Diane Carroll? No, 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 no Diane Carroll. Oh, okay. It was going to be, he puts it on and he was basically watching a music video. Sure. That was the idea, that was the original idea. And then somehow it developed to this- why wouldn't your old dad want to watch a music video? No, it was actually Chewbacca who was watching it in the in the first, in oh, the first one. Wow. But Dan has availed himself of the early script version. <laughs> they <though>. changed. <laughs> I read it every morning. But like what I what I'm confused about is like what was the actual original intention of of this version? Well, Mitzi Welch <laughs> is she responsible? He's always ready with a Mitzi Welch <laughs> quote. So Mitzi Welch Mitzi is Welch, one of one those of the producers. She is quoted as saying that it was supposed to be softcore porn that would pass the censors. So she was. Oh, so it was supposed to be porn. Well, I mean, she definitely. Man, what else yeah. could it be? Well, I don't know. I I, I, I have like, to imagine they no, were no, trying was, something else, no, and no, then no. they stumbled no, upon. No, there, there's no other explanation for that than he's getting off watching VR porn. That's can, what he's doing. I Fuck, can understand man. the idea of again, like That's again, wild. you have a wild, <laughs> a whole family, give something for, for everybody. But you could put that a little more sub rosa, like the very fact that she's like, <laughs> yeah, we wanted a skirt, we wanted to make she's sure like, we get oh, past the censors. I feel your excitement. It's like why? Why we don't need that? We we, yeah, we could figure out what's going on. Maybe it's for the dads in the room. But again, even still, like the dads are used to like watching things and thinking about in the recesses of their own dark, dirty minds. Right, it's like put her in a low-cut shirt and like yeah, make yeah, it suggestive instead of- Yeah, it's like this, this when you watch this, it's like you're getting dirty looks from the other side of the couch, right? It's also, no, you're not, because you're so uncomfortable. It was like when I went and took my mom to see Pippin and we watched the orgy scene and I wanted to die a thousand deaths. Yeah. Wait, there's an orgy in Pippin? Please, you don't know Pippin? I've never seen Pippin. Yeah, there's a big orgy in Pippin. Really? Yeah, wait, it I, wait so isn't it, it about an orphanage or something? No, that would You're be- Is that Hard Knock Life? Anything else. You're thinking of That's Annie. Annie. <laughs> Wait, what's Pippin? He's the one- Pippin's about Is theater. that, please, yeah. sir, may so I have another? No, again, nope. Nope, That's, That's Oliver, yeah. Or it's, rather, Oliver, sorry. It's about theater? Yeah. Is Pippin a kid? We got magic to do. He's a, he's a lad. Uh, is he an actor? Uh, no, but he joins an acting troupe. And then the acting troupe engages in- He wants to find has. his corner of the sky. But the point is- Is, I is went, that David Copperfield? No. no. The point is, the I don't point know is, Pippin. I went and saw that ben with Vereen, my mom. Ben Vereen, that's it. Yes, yes. Ben Vereen's Pippin. Yeah. He is Pippin. No, he's the he's the guy. He's the he's player. The, he, yeah, he's the main guy. He's and like Roy Scheider is there telling the story. Right? What about me? <laughs> I'm an actor. Wait, Scheider was in Pippin, wasn't he? Was he? No. No, he was in he was in uh, Jaws. The, he, no, he was in the movie <laughs> with Ben Vereen that we did. <laughs> the one that we love so much. That we did an episode of Ben Vereen and Roy Scheider were together. And oh, and all that jazz. All that jazz. Yeah, sorry. Oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, it's you know, canon. T-canon. It's been... <laughs> no, that's, that's G-canon. This G is F-canon. 
<laughs> okay, so I'll educate myself about Pippin at another time. But you don't have to walk is, me through it now. Here's my point. My point is, when you're watching that, it's not a turn-on because you're with your family and yeah. it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's bizarre. If you're watching it alone, that's different. But like, if you're with people that make you uncomfortable to be watching that, so it's not for anybody is my point. Well, again, Diane Carroll, once she starts singing, she does a song, beautiful, incredible yes. voice, great performer, like everyone else. She does what she's there to do quite well, as bizarre and weird as it is for her to do it. But it's all moot, because at that point, my sexuality for life is crippled. I don't think it's crippled. You're, crippled. It's <laughs> blossoming. Are you kidding? So now now is is the moment we learn that Wookiees empirically find humans attractive. Yeah. True. And I guess that would be part of the canon of setting up that Han could be married could to a Wookiee. Although Wookie, this yeah. is S canon. So Now. Yeah. But at the time, it was meant to be G canon. Correct. Or the G spot. Well, this is the second. Don't forget, this is the set. Hey, oh, this is the second Star Wars thing to ever come out. True. Yeah. Which is amazing. It's a, it's incredible. It didn't kill Star Wars. Actually, yeah. I'll tell you. You want to hear? It's the third. If you can. So another canon thing, which probably isn't canon. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the Green Rabbit Jacks. I think what? is his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. From what? The, from so the, Marvel from the comics. comics did uh, like a long running Star Wars series, but the first four issues were an adaptation of A New Hope. Yeah. And then wait, wait, off. wait. What years? Well, it started, I think, in 76 or 77. I think the first issue came out before the movie did. Okay. But then it grows out of it. And, like, um, Han and Chewbacca go somewhere else and they meet other things. And you just sort of, like, fill out the universe and you get other sort of, like, rebels, rebel ships and other things. Yeah. It just becomes, like, a, this long-running thing. I think that ended up going almost 10 years. So there was a period of time where new issues of that were coming out before the holiday special. But after the first movie had come yeah, out. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that, Dan. And then there was this green, new collectible. This green <laughs> full run of Marvel Star then there Wars. There was this green rabbit. Okay. Maybe I'll learn. We've had our sex. Let's take on some rock and roll. This is maybe even more bizarro and out of left field than Diane Carroll, but I have to say it's a pretty fucking good tune. Oh, yeah. This is Starship. One thing that I was wondering, like, did they change? Did they graduate from airplane to starship? Well, you want to get into this? the canon? Do you want to get in the canon? Because no, we can I go through it I all. I honestly don't. Okay. <laughs> Back in 1965, a band was formed in San Francisco. Grace Slick. Once Grace Slick departed Jefferson Airplane. That's when they changed. The Marty Balin came aboard and it became starship. Isn't Jefferson Airplane we built the city? I mean, it's the same band, but I think they were Airplane in the 60s, and then they were Starship. Oh, we Built the City is Starship. Oh, I it is Starship. I guess she's not in it. Well, I guess I'm full of shit. You know who wrote that song, by the way? Interesting tidbit that I just picked up. David Crosby? Bernie Taupin. Elton no John's. Kidding. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Which he gets off scot-free, by the way. Like, you know, he I think that's- off scot-free. Bernie Taupin. 
Well, that song is like the most mocked song of its era. It is? I mean, yes. that was a very mockable era. We built this city? That's a catchy tune. I love that song. Matt, please do us all and the listeners a great favor and cut in a little. We built this city just for Dan and Chris. <laughs> There you go, guys. You still love it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More so. Okay. There's an oral history of it on GQ. I'll send it to you guys. It's really good. The sweet licks of David Crosby. Uh, actually, she was back in the band. I can't believe we're going down this, that you caused this to occur. <laughs> she was back in the band for We Built This City. Well, yeah, you have to have that high mezzo-soprano vibe. Oh, is that? You know your, you know your different voices. Sure. Really? Yeah, you got to. If you're a Star Wars, you if you're a Star Wars, you guys fan. know. <laughs> you got to. Oh yeah, just to be able to differentiate between the Ewoks. Star Wars the musical. Have we never had that? There, oh, by the way, I'm did you see sure the Kabuki thing from Japan? That was amazing. Did what, you see that? What? What? You didn't see this? No, I don't. Oh know my god! Some Kabuki artists in Japan just did a Kabuki Star Wars two weeks ago, <gasps> and it's it's incredible. Like you really have to watch it with like samurai show. swords and stuff. Yeah, samurai swords, costumes. Uh, they streamed it live on the internet, That's and it's actually really good, really compelling and interesting. Cool. Like it just shows you that the Star Wars thing can stand the test of time. It's like Rocky. Well, it's also that, that this, it's returning home in a way. Yeah, true. Because it's based on all that. Sure, samurai. Yeah, samurai stuff. You know, hero stuff. So you've had sex. You've had rock and roll. And there's no drugs really. Although, well, except for the other hallucinatory tone. And what yeah. Bruce Valanche was putting into his nose during the fucking writing of the <laughs> hey, well, that allegedly. A, according, Nathan Rabin of the AV Club, quote, I'm not convinced the special wasn't ultimately written and directed by a sentient bag of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that is I think brilliant. you put it real well. That's a, that is that's a neat nickname for Bruce Valanche. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't feel too druggy to me. Are you that, out? <laughs> Did you just watch a I purple did, Jefferson it, Starship perform? I, I, and we've already skipped over when they go to like the chess set that they have on the Millennium Falcon. One of those just jugglers. Like, <laughs> yeah, watch a carnival of jugglers, oh. and then some people doing some mediocre gymnastics on the uneven bars. Mediocre like, is generous. Like I did that. Yeah, Chris in, and I in like sixth grade. Set up gym a camera class. in front of a green screen. Chris and I will juggle as well. As those jugglers. As those Look, shitty you, jugglers. You guys make some good points. I'm just saying maybe it was that I wanted to hold on to a small modicum of childhood innocence. No. But yes. It's, Speaking of childhood innocence, I just want to go on record as saying when I first saw this, yeah. like back, like one of my one of my friends had a tape of it, uh, and I thought this was a Star Wars movie. The, I thought I thought it was You thought canon. it was, yeah. Well, because nobody, there wasn't the internet to set me straight. I was just like, okay, well, this is a Star, clearly like yeah. Han's in it. Star Leia's Wars product. It. It's confusing for a little kid. I was yeah. a lad and I'm pretty stupid to begin with. And I heard that this is also true that Lucas successfully, it aired once and I think it aired in Canada before the yeah, United one States. Hour, <laughs> and he was like literally on the phones like while it was starting to air in the United States and then successfully prevented it from airing anywhere else in the world. Speaking of that day, do you want to know the that is, best? That is pretty great. Do you want to know the best tidbit that I that I know about this? The day after the Star Wars holiday special aired was Jonestown. Oh, way to bring the pod down. <laughs> it, Drink them if you got them. It was 
Jesus, are you serious? Yeah, 100%. Holy smokes. The day after. Did they all watch it? <laughs> I mean, look, if you if you want people to stop talking about the shitty holiday special. Is Jim Jones canon? That's what I want to know. Because <laughs> uh, this was Black Friday that it aired, right? Like wow. They said it was the Friday. Yeah. I think at the time it was just called it wanted, Friday. It, was, it existed to move toys. Yeah. I mean, let's be real here, was right? It the day after Thanksgiving. They wanted to sell lumpy toys. Now, I'm, I think the cartoon is good. Do you, do you oh, agree? Yeah, it's great. I think the cartoon is really good. It yeah, has that, like, there's it's just got the Scooby Doo. There's feel. just something about yeah. that animation of that era. Well, that era. animation is all, like, that's not Scooby Doo animation. Like, that is classy animation. Like, very, it's almost that looks Japanese really, really good. quality. Well, let's say, I know that. Um, you're saying that I'm denigrating Scooby Doo or Scooby Doo. You're saying, he's saying that Scooby Doo is not the standard by which animation is judged. Yeah, that, it's not like, yeah, that's you're not the gold Scooby Doo is beneath the gold standard? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Fuck you, man. Dude. I mean, we don't make the rules, How much detail goes into Scooby-Doo? It's like the same friggin'. Have we stumbled upon another pocket of Dan's deep <laughs> fandom that we weren't unaware of? I'm saying it's a lush, okay, rich world. Okay, do you consider yourself a Scooby-Doo well, aficionado? I, no. Then name sc- the five colleges that each character represents. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. Well, then you're obviously not that much what of a fan. What are they? Well, clearly Scooby-Doo is Hampshire College, my alma mater. <laughs> clearly? Shaggy is, <laughs> Shaggy is UMass. Is this a real thing? Are you? Yeah. Are, is this like Fred your... is Amherst, Thelma is Mount Holyoke, <laughs> and Daphne is Smith. That's fact. What? Hashtag fact. Hey, this is Matt the Engineer. So the five colleges and the five characters of Scooby-Doo, Jason mentioned them all, but he had some swapped up. So he did have Fred correct, saying that Fred is associated with Amherst. Mount Holyoke is Daphne, not Velma, and Velma is Smith College. Now the Scooby and Shaggy thing, Scooby's associated with UMass, and Shaggy is associated with Hampshire because Hampshire has this policy of no grades. It's more we're teaching you the tools to educate so you don't have grades. And that's a little more hippy-dippy, shaggy-esque, if you will. Anyway, there's your pop culture dive for the day. Did all did like the creators go to all five of these schools or something? I can't answer as to the origin. I just know that it so is. So they're just like New England schools? Like, Well, it's the five colleges, the five college consortium. Whoa. This might be like when is, you- What's a consortium? A consortium is when different institutions all agree to work together for oh. the greater good. Well, the greater good, or to oppress everybody else. I was else. just waiting for Chris to turn <laughs> a wholesome educational sharing <laughs> environment into an oppressive hammer of the system. The animation in this, like, I think it's it's really awesome. good. It's very heavy metal-esque. Yes. I think, again, a higher yes. quality than It was actually Scooby-Doo. done by a, listen, let's not fight over Scooby-Doo. It was done by a Canadian animation Studio that I think then went on to do another Star Wars cartoon. Both the Ewoks and Droids cartoons, which even though they are not T Cannon, uh, I think are G Cannon. G Cannon. Think of it like George Cannon. They're definitely not G Cannon, but I, I don't think they even rise to T Cannon. Couldn't they make it simpler? Like if it's a cartoon, it's C Cannon. But whatever the thing about that, it's simple. People loved those cartoons, yes. but they looked really, they looked really good. And this actually, George Lucas requested, and because I thought it looked a lot like heavy metal, he actually requested that they do it in a Mobius style. Who was a very famous Ooh, love that. French artist who did a lot in uh, in heavy metal. So in that. other words, he was reading heavy metal magazine. Yeah. Here's Whoa. a little here's a little clip from the cartoon. He's on a collision course. Princess, we're in mortal danger from our own forces. Falcon, do you copy? This is madness. You're right, General. I can't understand what Chewbacca's doing. Whatever he's doing, there must be a reason. Hold your fire. We've lost all contact, sir. 
but the best part of the cartoon is in the end when you actually do see Han Solo. Yeah. It is not. Uh, it looks like a melted Han Solo <laughs> <Yeah>. candle. <laughs> but again, I love it. I love the impression. It's a little, it's, it's, it's a little it Hunter S. Thompson. Into, it leaned into like the surliness of Han Solo <laughs> yeah. as opposed to the like. It showed his emotional uh, content rather than his. Yeah. 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 Rather than his face. Facial yeah. features. And Boba Fett. Speaking of Mandalorian episode. What are we on? Five? Four? There have been five. So no spoil. It's not spoiling it for anyone to say that the famous shot now at the end of the fifth episode is rumored to be the return of Boba Fett. Correct? Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't hear that? Is that that's also oh. the one where Baby Yoda dies? <laughs> <laughs> Don't panic. This is not canon. <laughs> anyway, Boba Fett first appears in this cartoon. Yeah, that's pretty that's freaking awesome. cool, yeah. man. Well, you want to know what? So they unless he appeared in the. The Marvel Star Wars thing. No, he didn't, no. but he did appear, I think, bef- after this, but before Empire came out in, like, a parade. It was a parade, yeah. Ooh. It was a parade. They actually showed a guy in the uniform, and uh, I'm not Walking so— next to Vader, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question. What is that little mirror thing on the helmet? Is that, like, a rearview mirror? Yeah, so you can see behind him. Is that what it's for? Oh, I thought it was more like uh, binoculars. Like, he puts well, it like down he, to, does like, he, look Does he ever pull it down and the, look through it? Yeah. Because on The Mandalorian, he just looks through his helmet. Sure, but he but doesn't Boba, have those things. But Boba doesn't have that. Mandalorians. Mandalorians. or Mandalorian. I bet you there's a name for it. I like it the way that if you're a Mandalorian, it's like you bring in the credit to this specific place. And like rather than taking something for yourself, really, you get it turned into like a cool piece of your body armor. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. upgrade like your tech. That's what you do with whatever you make. Yeah. You don't just drive like a Lamborghini. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what? I'm going to have a nice dinner with this. She's no, like, you plow it back into you. your hobby. I will make you profession. a shoulder guard. They don't make watches out of it. He's like, hey, I just brought you 500 million Imperial credits, and all Maybe I'm getting is home. like a, a, a shoulder cover. Yeah. You well, know? If you're really into that kind of thing, I'm sure like he's geeking out. He's like, oh, oh cool. Stupid. Check out this shoulder cover. This is awesome. <laughs> but then, of course, they put the shoulder cover on him, and to show how important it is, they shoot him in the goddamn well, shoulder. Of course, Dan. It's entertainment. <sighs> Come on. I mean, what do you want? Come on. Chris, I'm very excited about this next piece. I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to play it, and I want to see if you, because this is something that Chris and I discussed on the podcast. Dan, maybe you happen to know about this. Chris, if you can identify this element, then you're paying attention. The Wilhelm scream. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, we had had the oh, Wilhelm so scream. Uh, what was it on that we uh, that we went into it? Not Highlander. It was, a few, it was just a few ago. Oh, High Noon. Right, because Sheb Woolley, Sheb Woolley is the right. voice of the Wilhelm scream, and he right was from the what was the what was the movie it was, it was like from? Alligator was, Boy drowns the, in yeah, mist yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's great that because I think it's in all the Star Wars. Yes, I think is it's in true? all of the G cam. I, I didn't JJ ban it though or something. Oh, really? Let's not get casual about the use of G cannon. Oh please, I'm saying it's in all the movies. Right? Yeah, yeah. Which you said that's. I'm just saying it makes me G-Cannon. feel too nerdy. George Cannon to, to casually. <laughs> is it G Cannon because it's George? Uh, like why G? George, God, same thing. G G is the first letter of George. I created this. I'm just saying they could have come up with a more mnemonic or whatever that word is device. Or they could have just been like level one, level two, level. Yeah, why don't they? Yeah, A B C. A B C. That would work too. That's all right. Closing in rapidly on the end of this, I quite actually liked B Arthur in this because what do kids want? 
except for a number that deals with the bittersweet regret of yesterday and saying goodbye to one life and wistfully looking at the past. What, what else would a six-year-old It's relatable. Yeah, it's sung by it's a, a universal theme, Chris. Sung by Maud. Who I wouldn't know want that? I know my six-year-old nephew, he loves the work of Kurt Vile. And so yeah, he, it's, he was very into it. I, yeah, your, your nephew is very maudlin. <laughs> Just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend, and then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more rhyme, friend. Yes, it's a crime, friend. But you know time, friend. Time can fly. So it's good night, friend. Good night. But not goodbye. It is filled with the ennui of parting. <laughs> uh, this is written by. Chetame. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, the kids? I bet they would love a little bit of old Weimar Germany. <laughs> Somebody in the twilight of their life, <laughs> right. looking back on all the mistakes uh. and. Regret. She's oh a terrible God. business person because her answer to everything. Okay, one is, more. One more on the house. One. Everybody, one on the house. It's a bad business model. Look, the the imperial force is trying to shut her down. She's trying to. Yeah, it is Weimar then, Germany. Why is she giving everybody free drinks when they're all because assholes? Because they're la like, vie. hey, everybody, shut down or I'll kill you, and they won't leave. They're putting her at risk. Chris, they have nowhere to go. They're galaxy orphans. They don't, they have, don't homes? have homes. No, like, it's not a soup kitchen. Listen, it's an international way station. It's a place where the refuse of the galaxy gathers to be together. I just think the B. Arthur number is the is the coup de grace oh. of bizarreness. And her dance she does with, oh. with the Greedo. Yeah. She calls him like Ned. What do we call him? Ned. <laughs> and then uh, she pours the drink into Harvey Corman's yeah. volcano head. I thought it was like Kool-Aid because it's also out of like a cheap plastic jug that she like yes. that she's giving to yes. everybody. It looks like something. It's like, like the jug everybody's camp. mom had yeah. in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> a funny thing about the shooting of this scene, they shot this in July. The soundstage it was so hot. Right that people extra started passing out. And because they're also in these big bulky outfits yeah. costumes with the and they couldn't masks. breathe and there was no oxygen. And so one of the co-writers brought their kid to set that day because he was like, we're shooting the Moss Eisley scene. It's the cantina from the movie. And he sure. was like, yay! And then he came only to watch all these aliens die <laughs> before his very eyes and was traumatized forever. And also, this is the first thing that B. Arthur did after leaving Maud this same year. She had really? she decided to no leave kidding. the show just this year, and this was her first appearance on TV after leaving the show. In, right, I guess she wanted to expand her sure, horizons. expand the like, mod universe. Sure. Come uh, on, B. Arthur is pretty freaking cool. She is fantastic. One of the coolest Again, ever. Like her, like Art Carney in this, like, you yeah. know, they're they're not sleepwalking through it. Like, nope. she is giving it just as much effort. She is. <laughs> uh, even when, did you happen to notice, there, she doesn't make out, but at one point she's sharing a booth with a big white rat. That rat itself is from the movie Food of the Gods. Oh, right, because they, right. they recycled all the costumes and all the 
What, what, what was it in Food of the Gods? It was a giant rat? A giant rat. Food of the Gods. It's based on an H.G. Wells book, and it's about people who end up on this island. They're hunting, and then it turns out that- Food of the Gods is humans. All of the, yeah, all of the animals on this island are friggin' huge, including yeah. the rats and the rats. They, they were basically going through the prop closet at 20th Century Fox yeah. and went, hey, yeah. look, it's a rat. Let's put it in a I am very thing. surprised that there's no, uh, like, Big Bird. In this bar. <laughs> Rip Carol Spinney. Um, <laughs> my favorite part is that they all have like TVs that are connected yes, to yeah. different people in yes. the universe. And They're that crushing. television is only connected to that person. Well, because the rebels need to have secure comms. But why don't they have one of the Millennium Falcon? Well, because it's not a wireless thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's hardwired. They have one to loop. Yeah, they ran the wire. Oh, so they can't do it to a spaceship. You know yeah. what? Because that, the spaceship's moving. That tracks. Actually, one of the funny moments for Carrie Fisher is apparently she was quite demanding throughout the process <laughs> that she sing a song. I want to sing a song. I want to sing a song. She has I a pretty voice. Yeah. She has a beautiful yeah. voice. She wanted to show it off. But then, of course, apparently she lived to regret the song. And then she claimed that later in her life, when she had parties and wanted people to leave, <laughs> she would put this on and everyone would go home. Wow. We celebrate a day of peace, a day of harmony, a day of joy we all can share, together joyously, a day I was reading a quote, someone was like, yeah, Carrie Fisher was going through her Joni Mitchell phase. So, <laughs> so she kept coming in and singing all these like sad ballads and stuff like that. So then we wrote one for her. It's like when you're in the dentist and they put the laughing gas on and you just like disappear into a giant purple cone of fuzz and warmth. That was very vivid. Yeah. That's what, that's, well this is done. what the show did. I mean, like, have a tooth ah, yank? Shake it off. Yeah. When was the last time you had that happen to you? <laughs> when <laughs> I was a child. That, so, it, but it was indelible. It was. <laughs> I don't think they give you that anymore the way that they did then. So you remember not, that? Not like willy dentist? nilly. Yeah, they put the little the no mask gas. on your nose and then yeah. you, oh, yeah. you, you go, get that anymore. And then do you, you go bite. I mean, yeah, by request. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I. I don't know. I don't request it. I'm ready to move on to some of our other segments. If you've covered everything that needs to be covered, Chris, do you have anything else on the Star uh, Wars holiday well, just special? Just alternative casting. Oh God, no! <laughs> I mean, just, say it ain't so, Chris. <laughs> Seriously, only a few. Uh, <laughs> put that one back. There were a few people okay. that they had approached, like David Acumbo, like I said, who was the first director who quit after a few days of shooting. He recommended Robin Williams because he had just seen Robin Williams. Do that would have helped. And it was, and he was like, "You guys should use this guy." And they're like, "We don't know who he is." Wait, would he be care. the um, Art this- Carney character? I mean, I'm. Sh- I got something for you. No, he he would have been, been great. Alien. No, I think he would have been the. Put, I mean, he just was this wanted- before Mork and Mindy. Oh yeah. Was, yes, Mork and Mindy ended up coming out in 78, which I believe is when the This is 78. This is 78. This is 78. So ended up airing the same year, but at the time nobody that knew feels who like he was. It was like a slam dunk. Especially for something it like had this. Hindsight's 2020, you know, Dan. Hindsight's 2020. Uh, I mean, if anyone was ever born was, to be on a variety show, my god, right, Robin Williams. It's a variety show. I'm sure <laughs> it's not that he would have been any one of those things. Maybe instead of And he was on you know, at least as much cocaine go, as the writers. He would have been an unstoppable force. That was force. probably it's like we just don't have the cocaine budget. You know, for both Bruce Valanche right. and Robin Williams. Yeah, that's hey, a lot respect of respect the dead, guys. Jeez. Is Bruce Valanche dead? No. <laughs> Robin Williams is, though. 
this guy, Mickey Herman, who is a Lucasfilm consultant who got put onto this. And there's a lot of great quotes of him. But he said that, uh, I do remember Gary Smith saying they wanted to have Mikhail Baryshnikov and Anne-Margaret involved. Of course. Uh, again, trying to think of like- Well, those are like variety show standbys, love right? That. Like Have a ballet segment. Right, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking when I was watching this that the Wookiee costumes are very expressive for their time. And I was looking at Mala and I was like, you know, I can see there's a beautiful woman under there. Yes. I can see her beautiful eyes. Then, of what? course, I come into the find out it's actually a seven foot tall man. You're talking about Mala. like if you shaved her, she would be no, a beautiful I, I feel human like woman? you could see the beauty of the eyes. You could see the expressiveness and like costumes succeed in showing you the personality of the person pl inside the costume. Uh, so it's Mickey Morton. Right. Mickey Morton. Oh, he was in Legends of the Superheroes. I wonder who he played. He probably played Solomon Grundy. That is maybe the most Chris thing that's ever been said <laughs> on the pod. And, and Jason and I are Wait, just Wait, Solomon here Grundy is a superhero? No, Isn't that like a, a Dickens character? No, he's a villain. I'm confused. Everything so. seems Dickens to me. Pippin, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> that's how good Dickens was. Shit. That's how, inf that's how Dickens influential canon. he was. He planted a lot of seeds, my friend. <laughs> you, there's something called the Billion Dollar Hobo, which I thought might have been. Color me intrigued. It's, it, I Can wonder that if that's in the, the next, same universe uh, as the six is that a million movie? dollar man. Please read. Is that a TV read show? The summary of the billion dollar hobo. I'm gonna guess it's a guy who inherited a ton of money but still rides the rails and then gifts money to worthy people along hey, the way. That's actually pretty good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, it's the it's a hobo who finds a billion dollars and needs to figure out what to do with it. Vernon Praiseworthy is a clumsy but lovable dope who stands to inherit his uncle's fortune. Ah, fuck. The condition is that he travel the rails as a penniless hobo, just as his uncle did in the dark days of the Depression. I'm in. That seems simple enough, which, no. Wait, doesn't. there's more? <laughs> Stop there, plot maker. No need to go further. Well, there's only f five more words. That seems simple enough until he gets involved in a dog napping plot. Holy shit. Wait a minute. Which this is this a movie or a TV show? This is a movie or a TV show? This is an epic poem. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is canon, my friends. The, the, oh, and it was Tim Conway. Get what? out of town. Yeah. No. As the hobo? Can, they, can we do, yeah. can this be an episode? Wait, what's it called, Chris? Uh, the million, the billion dollar hobo. 1977, so this is a year before. I, I love that the plot thickens with a dog napping <laughs> scheme. <laughs> okay. Did you say dog napping? Like, I've, got not, the, I've got the trailer here for you. <laughs> Clear the tracks. It's Wrong Way Conway and his dandy dog, Bo, riding the rails to laughter in The Billion Dollar Hobo. Starring Tim Conway and Will Gear. I told my old man when I grew up I wanted to be just like him. What'd he say? He hit me. <laughs> you heard of me, huh? Who hasn't? I mean, a guy who started out as a hobo and then became a billionaire. Billion and three quarters. Now tell him who he is. You, sir, are Mr. Train's last living relative. Ah. I'm just going to say, I'm going to watch this. I mean, unless how it's a whole this, movie. How if it's like this, an hour, I'm going to watch it. How did this fall through the cracks? That's incredible. Good find, yeah. Chris. Would you guys like to move on to our Latchkey TV segment? Yes. Hello? This is our segment where we revisit some of the happy and not so happy childhood moments spent watching television hours upon end. Thematically, we try to link it to the movie that we've discussed in an episode. And since we're doing the Star Wars Christmas special, I wanted to play you guys a few highlights from some other Christmas specials of note from the same year, 1978. So the first one is A Happy Day's Christmas. And if you remember, 
The construct throughout this entire special was that Fonz had nowhere to go but invented mysterious relatives that he was going to go visit. Because he was embarrassed? He was embarrassed. Hey, Fonz, since I didn't get you anything, how about coming to my home for Christmas turkey? I've got plans. Yeah, what are you doing, Fonz? Oh. Well, uh, I'm going up to, uh, uh Waukesha. Waukesha? Yeah. Yeah. I got a uh, regular thing on Christmas time. My cousin lives up there. A big house. The spread they put out for Christmas. They, you know, uh, lots of presents. Big family. Big family. Big house. Uh, lights. Uh, big, big tree. Works. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not much for family, you know, but I figure once a year I can take it. Story was they all knew that he was inventing this bus that he had to get on to go to Waukesha. And so they kept inventing reasons for him to stick around. Hey, Fonz, the tree, the Santa out front isn't lit up. Hey, look at this. Yeah, this is the bad one. What would we do without you, Fonz? Well, you'd be up a creek, Mrs. C. Yeah, our car would be stuck in the snow, our tree would be out, and our Santa Claus would be mugging the neighbors. Yeah, but I hate to tell you this, it's three minutes past nine. Oh, you missed your bus to Waukesha. Yeah, and that's the last one tonight. Yeah, I know. Fonzie, you're staying here, and I don't want to hear another word about it. Hey, Mrs. C., my mother used to talk to me like that. The only one who used to get away with it, too. Until you. So they, g they gave him hard labor on Christmas. Well, listen, like you're not doing, they were aware of his issues, and they were working around them in order to accomplish a goal. Sounds like Although, they were I mean, free labor. That goal is what they think is important. They didn't, you know. Oh my God, you guys are man so makes, cynical. Dark, choice. dark worldviews. Hey, hey, Fonzie, clean our house because you have a shitty mom and dad. God, I mean that sounds. That's first of all, I was moved by that holiday <laughs> I mean, special. Even, even listen, it's no good. context. I was already. I was, you're moved. I was moved. Absolutely. Were you welling? His a eye, little bit. Chris's eyes are glistening. I will at the say moment. this about Happy Days: it's a really well acted show. Yeah, sure. For what it is. Yeah. Tom Bosley was great. The Fon. I mean, come on, he went to Yale. <laughs> True. Well, the well, Fonz sure, didn't go to Yale. Yes, he did. Henry Winkler went to Yale. Same thing. Saying? The Fonz is Henry Winkler. Oh, come on. Can anyone else be the Fonz? Has, any, has anyone else ever tried to be the Fonz? No. There's only one Fonz. His name is Henry Winkler. Now, All right. next. This is impressive because, Chris, we recently talked about Steve Martin's comedy heyday yes. occurring really 1976, 77, 78. He appeared on the Johnny Cash and family 1978 Christmas show. Whoa. And did this really cool, meta, weird Steve Martin bit. Usually, when we do our holiday show, we get together with our family and friends in Nashville. This year, though, we're doing it just a little differently. Since five or six of our daughters now live here in California, June and I wanted to come visit them also. We wanted to spend time with some of our very close friends who live out here. Hear that? Talking about friends? He's talking about me. <laughs> nah, Johnny and I are very, very, very close. And uh, he calls me El Stevo, you know. You know. <laughs> I call him Johnny Baby. And, uh, the Casher, I call him the Casher. Sometimes, uh, you know, El Casherini, I call him that. And, and we are close friends. I mean, I feel like sometimes we were in the army together. <laughs> we weren't, but we we're so close that sometimes I feel that way. And, uh, just some snapshots is me standing in front of Johnny's house and then uh, this is me in front of his dog and this is uh, 
This is just dog in front of me. It's but the point is, we're pals, we're buddies, we are very, very close friends. I think you know what I'm talking about. In the audience tonight is a man who, as much as anyone I've ever known, has shown me the meaning of the word friend. A man who has brought happiness to so many people and whose presence here tonight makes me so happy. Ladies and gentlemen, my buddy, Steve Crabtree. Johnny? My friend. What's he like? I mean, is he kind of, is he fun? I mean, what's he like? <laughs> Best friend I ever had. Really? Yeah. You know him. Jeez. <laughs> he knows him. <laughs> he always does this to me. Isn't That's that great? great. That's, That's a great, great bit. Nobody, great bit. nobody does f like extreme cockiness. So good with the punchline being he's about to get the yeah. guts taken out of yeah. him better than him. I think that's such a kind of striking thing for 1978 to allow this meta comedy bit to yeah. go on that long. Yeah. But like you said, he was a huge, huge, huge star. star. The man in black, the man in white. Deep man. Whoa. You know, I bet, I wonder, I bet that's how it was pitched. Too. Probably. Hey, we got the man in black. What about the I'm man in white? I'm a variety show producer. The way I think <laughs> is, let's get the man in white. <laughs> now this one... Let's remember, 1978, that's a little hip. The Johnny Cash, Steve Martin, that's sort sure. of for, you know, the heads but in your like family. But that's genuinely, like, that's, that would work now. That, that would work, work now. The MTV movie Absolutely. Awards. What I'm about to play you now is sort of like when your grandma was watching TV. This is the Perry Como Early American Christmas. Oh, God. So it's a construct where Perry Como in present day, 1978, is somehow dropped into Colonial Williamsburg <laughs> and is experiencing <laughs> American Christmas. And in this scene- Somehow, how? He, he hunts some famous uh, participants in American history. Very good. Thank you. Your kind words pleasure me. Merry Christmas, Professor Whiff. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, are we acquainted, sir? Uh, only by history. Oh, uh, may I have a name to call you by? Como, Perry Como. <laughs> this is one of my young law students, Thomas Jefferson. How do you do? Are you a Virginian? No, 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 Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. What is that old rascal Ben Franklin up to these days? Well, he, he just invented a new pair of glasses. They're called bifocals. To what purpose? Old Ben says they're very practical. He can be at a party, kiss a young lady. And watch your husband at the same time. <laughs> it's early American Christmas. Thank you, Perry Como. There was yeah, a little yes. scene. Thank you. There's a scene before. <laughs> there's a scene before here where he eats all, he licks the desserts. Oh, trifles. Pecone pie. Yeah, he double dipped. He double his dips finger. in every dessert. Oh, Ugh. Oh. What a creep. Oh, now he's squeezing his cold sore. <laughs> also, the sound of him licking. He's enjoying, he's a man who enjoys his food stuff. But why? Cut why? yourself a fucking slice. Or turn down the gain on the mic when he's licking his finger for oh fuck's sake. That is horrifying. Anyway, that's all I have. Dan, do you have anything else that you'd like to hit on the pod? Chris? Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Anytime. 
Was that supposed to say more? <laughs> I don't know. It just seems a little bit underwhelming. I don't know. Chris just has a good good ear for a pregnant pause, just to let that moment hang in the air for everyone. Man, I, I wow, literally, that was, I literally that was deep, man. I literally just looked around Shit. like I was like I was. That was like a scene from yeah, Marriage in Story. Danger. Don't you have something more to say? Yeah. Wow, Chris, teen it up for you, Dan. Woo, was I supposed to? I don't shout know. Out to my fiance. I, I or don't something? think there was a supposed to. I think there was something that Chris was saying to you, like, "Hey, <laughs> here you are." Like, what do you got? It was economy, man. I was going for economy. No, and I appreciate that. I think this is already, we're on hour No, I eight. think Chris was getting ready to do something, and he wanted to make sure you weren't going to do something before he did something that he needed to do. I, I felt like any time was pretty final. <laughs> any time? You said thank you when I said any time, and then the podcast. No, that was teeing up Chris. Chris was getting ready to do his signature close. My signature, Yes. Oh. So I in other words, Dan's me. never listened to an episode of the podcast, which that's it's not a problem. I don't want people to feel that's a prerequisite to coming exactly. on. I you, in fact, I like it if they come in clean. You know what I mean? That way you get to explain to them and any new And anybody who's like, what the hell is going on in exactly. this thing? What, what, what is why this are playing old jingles? <laughs> Until next time, keep swinging, gang, because, well, what else is there? As time goes by, they say he's washed up. He's finished. He's a loser. He's all through. You know what? The only ones who are going to tell me when I'm through doing my thing is you people here. You people here. You people here are the ones who are worth bringing it for because you're my family. I love all of you. Thank you so much. I wanted to let listeners know that this is going to be my last episode of Full Cast and Crew as co-host. Thanks to all of you for listening, low these 60-plus episodes, for watching along, for having fun with us, and for engaging on various social media zizzes. I also wanted to thank Jason for this opportunity. It's been a blast. Thanks for being such a great co-host. And most importantly, for keeping the show going, because Full Cast and Crew is not going to miss a beat. There's still going to be a new show every week with Jason being joined by different guests, many of whom you'll recognize. It's going to still be a mix of classics like Young Frankenstein and Alien, along with newer, let's call them future classics like The Irishman. The only difference is going to be that now I'll be able to listen and enjoy along with the rest of you. 